Hello and welcome to a brand new Power Half Hour on the Jitter Monkey Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahachko, and joining me as always, he is my co-host on the West Coast, Chad Smart. Hello, Chad. Hello, Greg. How are you, sir? Well, if I can avoid having a major cough attack in the next 30 minutes, I'll be doing great. Hot dog. Let's, uh, let's get right to it then, shall we? Uh, we shall. I mean, it's going to take the same amount of time either way. So. <laughs> we're we're going to find out if it can be done. Uh, all right, everybody. We thank you for tuning in, subscribing on whatever podcast platform you uh, most utilize. And, of course, checking us out at jitterymonkey.com. Our topic this week, as we were doing our last-minute pre-production uh, conversation, as always, and our, our meeting, if you will, and Chad's throwing out ideas and ideas and ideas, and he threw out one that I liked, but I altered it just to see if we could expand a little bit more on that generation gap that we have. So, Chad, you said pop culture moments of the last 20 years, and I said, well, let's go pop culture moments of our lifetimes. Yeah, I'm really disappointed you didn't go with the awesomeness of Steve Zahn. All excited to talk about Steve Zahn. I feel like we could, we should dedicate an entire episode to Steve Zahn and like our favorite Steve Zahn movie roles and things like that. Uh, I'm down for that. Okay, Steve, if you're listening and you if you choose to participate, uh, just send Chad a message on Twitter at Chad Smart, and uh, we'd be more than happy to get you on the show. Steve, Steve Zahn, hell of a guy. I wonder. I wonder if Steve Zahn is on or is Zahn cameo uh i don't know but i'm not i I can't afford to pay for it so uh whatever you and kevin hunsberger's little cameo uh gifts are to each other more power to you let's move on then i'm just gonna look him up go ahead and intro the topic and i'll let you know if steve zahn is on well i kind of already did but let's go again well true but you can (laughs) i'll let you kick off oh god one of your favorites Oh my. Oh. Uh so for full disclosure, I don't Chad, I don't know if it's on your list. Um, but I am going for pop culture moments of, of my lifetime. And in doing so, uh I I know it had a massive effect on culture on the world, but I I am I guess you could say I'm steering away from things that don't or, or maybe out of the entertainment realm. So, like, I'm not going to bring up 9-11. Um, you know, I'm not going to bring up, uh, you know, while while there have been uh, culture shifts in the last, you know, few years, I'm not going to bring up, you know, like Black Lives Matter, things like that. Or uh, for me personally, I, I know it was massive on, on the pop culture front, but I, I'm not even uh, mentioning uh, Barack Obama. I mean, I did, but I'm not – that's not on my list. Uh, however, the first one I'd like to discuss is – the O.J. Simpson trial, because I remember being a kid in 1994, and we, my, you know, I was not quite 12 years old at the time. I would turn 12, you know, like just under a month after. Uh, so I was a uh, 11 year old me in June of 1994, and uh, actually, that's just um, that's the acquitted. So I, I'm. I don't have the exact timeline in front of me, but anyway, I remember the Bronco, the Ford Bronco chase. Uh, my family and I were getting ready to go 
to dinner on this particular Friday evening. We're, of course, in Illinois in the central time zone, so things are happening, quote-unquote, earlier uh, in in California. And we're all just kind of watching this, watching it unfold. And the longer it went on, eventually my dad's like, this could go all night. Let's go get food. <laughs> so uh, I also remember that when the verdict was announced, uh, my social studies teacher turned it on uh, the, the classroom television. And so we watched it live. So kind of bookending every aspect of this, you know, it was, I remember Johnny Cochran, if the glove don't uh, fit, you must acquit. Uh, so many aspects of this story uh, are still relatively fresh in my mind. And it, it did have a significant impact on pop culture. I mean, it was, you know, they, they, you know, stand-up comedians talked about it. They talked about it on Saturday Night Live, and and it's something that has been with us now for over twenty-five years. And do you remember the dancing Edos on the Tonight Show? <laughs> no, but I I remember Judge Edo, but I I never watched the Tonight Show, so I don't remember that uh, particular skit. Well, yeah, you're lucky for that fact, but you know, I think you can tie this into uh, the biggest thing in probably the last 20 years um as my original idea for this show was <laughs> sorry the, the the biggest thing to come out of with a connection to oj simpson is the kardashians because robert kardashian was oj one of oj's lawyers and if you've watched the people versus oj simpson uh Miniseries or limited series. Is that that's a docudrama? Is that classified Uh, as a docudrama? You call it a docudrama, yes. And Cuba Gooding Jr. played OJ? Cuba Gooding played OJ. Uh, Sarah Paulson played uh, the female attorney whose name escapes me at the moment. Marsha Clark. Marsha Clark, yes. And Sterling Brown, Sterling K. Brown um, played um, Christopher Darden. And let me tell you, I was watching People vs. OJ and This Is Us. I would kind of watch them back, not back to back, but I was watching them at the same time frame and didn't realize that Sterling K. Brown was on both shows hmm. because he's just that great of an actor that he created two completely different personalities between the two shows. But there is a scene in the docu in the series where Robert Kardashian takes the young Kim Chloe Robert Kardashian out um, to eat and the waiter's like, Oh, you're the guy from the television here. We've got the great, you know, the best table for you. And, and I don't know if that scene that ever actually happened, but I, to me, that scene was there to show where the uh, kind of original idea of celebrity for the Kardashians was instilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could and, see that. Uh, yeah. So it's very interesting in that regard. Um, and the fact, you know, that, the rumors are OJ is Chloe's real father. I think Chloe's the one. But but yeah, I, I am with you. I I mean the OJ Simpson case, you know, I remember um, driving to work one morning and had the radio on and the story came out that OJ's wife had been murdered along with some other guy. And I don't say that I say that flippantly, but I, I do so to kind of point out how no one really cared about Ron Goldman mm-hmm. um, because he was quote unquote a nobody. But uh, yeah, I remember hearing that. And then like you said, the Bronco case or the Bronco chase 
you know, that interrupted the um, Chicago Bulls NBA final game. Um, I can't remember who they were playing that year, but yeah, they went picture in picture for like, well, we have the game, but OJ is, you know, AC Carl or what was his name? AC Crowley was driving this Bronco at very slow speeds on the LA freeways. Uh, I mean, not like he could really go that fast anyway on the LA freeway, but he was going even slower than necessary. So, um, real quick, this was, yeah, so it was June 17th of 94, um, per CNN, I just Googled for Bronco Chase and the top thing was OJ White Bronco Chase. It was 25 years ago today. And that post from CNN.com was June 17th of 2019. So I wasn't ridiculously off, uh, with my, uh, rough timeline early on. So. And I believe there's also an ESPN 30 for 30 about that, that day, um, surrounding everything that happened. Cause like you said, there's the Bronco Chase, the NBA finals, um, there may have been a Stanley Cup final game, and I think there's either a tennis or a golf match going on at that same time. Um, I don't know what the name of that 30 for 30 special is, but if you really are interested, there is a thing called Google, and they can probably help you out. Do the work yourself, boys and girls. That's all we ask. All right, Chad, so uh, that that's my first one. What? What uh, what what's your numero uno or in no particular order? In no, yeah, I'm going back uh, ten years prior to the OJ chase. Uh, another cultural phenomenon was happening in Los Angeles, and that was actually actually it may have been um, no, I believe it was in LA at the old Gibson Amphitheater, which no longer exists thanks to Harry Potter World at Universal Studios. <laughs> But that was uh, the very first MTV Video Music Awards. This, and I'm saying these not for the 84 edition specifically, but as an overall arcing thing where this, you know, I've talked about it before on, on my show Popology 101, and we've kind of talked about MTV on here. But MTV was huge in my childhood, in my teenage years especially. And the... In the video awards from like 88 to 92 are probably um, the biggest musical uh, award shows that, uh, that, I, that, that I've experienced. And even to this day, like I turned, tuned into this year's VMAs, even though one, MTV doesn't show videos. Two, I don't know any popular song that is out, but I was just, well, and in this, year with the coronavirus shutting everything down. I was curious to see how they would do it. But I normally tune in every year just long enough to complain about the state of music and how these kids have terrible taste. And then I tell them to get off my lawn and I shake my fist at some clouds and go back to watching something that I enjoy. But the MTV Video Awards, those were, you know, it's who can who can forget, unless you never knew, that Andrew Dice Clay did his stand-up routine during the 1989 show and got banned for life from MTV. And then he made a joke about it in his movie Ford Fairlane. I've heard about that. Yeah. Or Howard Stern showing up as Bartman. I remember that. <laughs> I, you know, years after the first uh, MTV Video Music Awards or VMAs, as I'll refer to them now, uh, you know, when I was in my more buying power, 
you know, age, you know, I, I worked, had a part-time job, things like that. Uh, I was at the time something of a young Eminem fan. And I remember when he's walking in, they're doing the big, you know, they got like a line of, you know, white guys with, you know, uh, bleach blonde hair, you know, in those little gladiator cuts all bobbing their head as Eminem, you know, walks in from the street. And I, you know, that was, that was a big performance. Um, but yeah, going back to the first one, September 14, 1984, two names that when you hear them, just scream MTV, Dan Aykroyd and Bette Midler were the hosts. Yeah. I mean, Bette Midler had a hit song with Wind Beneath My Wings a few years later, and Dan Aykroyd had a video for City of Crime from the Dragnet soundtrack, so... MTV I, knew what they were doing. Plus, I I'm guessing the Blues Miller Brothers on. was probably a little bit of an influence there. And that's fine for Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I don't associate Bette Midler with MTV, and maybe that's my fault. You know what you should associate Bette Midler with? Please don't say it. I'm praying you don't say it. Cause it's, oh, well, I don't know. Because by the time people hear this, we're going to be in October, and I'm really hoping you don't say it. Uh, I'm going to say Touchstone Pictures, where she made seven films. You can find out more about them if you listen to the Out of Touchstone podcast, which I co-host. Cheap plug. I've been working on my sponsorships. I like it. I'm glad you went that direction <laughs> and not uh, not the one where uh, Bette Midler. You can tell me, up, tell me off, off yeah. air so we don't have to mention it. Thank you. I'm, I'm sure you know what it is. Uh, Maybe. but. Right. uh We'll leave the people listening, guessing. If they, if they want to know, they can hit us up on Twitter. I am at Chad Smart, and you are at the Hooch 36 I was going to say, and I'm not on Twitter that much. But thanks for putting it out there, but you, Chad. You have, an account, you have an account. I do, but I, I locked it you down. Respond. I, I locked it down. So they have to request it, uh, to follow me. Anyway, it's a long it's – a, it's fine. Um, all right, so my next one, and full disclosure – this one gets makes my little bit of a list because it, it's recency bias because I just watched a show that pertains to this good portion of this period. But it's that 18 month or so um, you know on the calendar that 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 spread between Michael Jordan winning his third NBA world title, retiring, playing baseball, doing m- Eh, you know, having a little bit of minor league success at baseball and then going back, rejoining the Bulls, doing Space Jam. Uh, mine is Michael Jordan, uh, 94 to 96, we'll call it. Because at the top of the game, when you've just won your third straight, and let's face it, the, the pieces are in place to win more, have more success. Uh, you know, your, your father is killed under, you know, mysterious circumstances and you don't have the necessary love for the, by the way, the show for anybody who doesn't know yet, I just finished watching the last dance on Netflix. Uh, but you know, the, the joy is not really there, but the passion's not there. The skill was there and certainly the money would have been there for Jordan. I mean, they could have won. They could have rattled off eight in a row. Instead, you know, Bulls fans had to settle for two, you know, three peats. Um, but uh, you know when when that happened, I was again just just shy of my you know twelfth birthday, uh, and 
and he walked away the the number one player in the game. That'd be like I can't really say LeBron. He's not the number one player in the game. Yeah, maybe a few years ago, I could have said LeBron, but not now. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it's the number one player in the game just walking away and going and doing something else. And kudos to him. He had certainly the the uh, financial comfortability and stability to be able to do that. But whew, that's a uh, that, that was tough, I think, for a lot of people to take. And and I, you know, living in Illinois, I it, I didn't follow the NBA, but I certainly you know cheered for the Bulls and and uh, you know playing pickup games in in my driveway. I my my neighbor was you know we were always like, he was like Mike and I was like I can't even be like Scotty. I was like Paxson or something like that. Uh, so you know it's just that that hit you know me and my classmates like what can you believe that so. And that's where I'm going with MJ. So I'm going to say something that uh, for being someone who grew up in the state of Illinois is probably hearsay. Not hearsay. Her, her, heresy. What, what word am I trying to say? Heresy. Heresy. Yes. That's the word. Um, I should just start a new show called Misspoken. By the way, I need to, uh, I need to clarify. It wasn't 94 <clears throat> to 96. It was 93 to 95, that two-year two period. So my apologies. Well, Continue. Heresy. Those fact-checkers fact online would, would have hit you up on that one. But, uh, yes, my, my unpopular claim, I don't like Michael Jordan. Okay. Um, and I refuse to uh, – I did not celebrate in the Bulls winning. I always cheered against them. I have never seen Space Jam. What? Um, yeah, I I do think he is a. I, I give him the credit for his skill, and and think he is probably the best player to play in the NBA. Um, however, when he retired, I was like, good. And then he went to play baseball, and I'm like, good. I don't really watch baseball either, but uh, yeah. So I have not watched the Last Dance. I've heard from several people who have watched it, that it is a must watch. But again, don't really care. And I, I've heard that he doesn't come off as like, you know, this great person in the show, but that's just, that's fine. And to anybody who watched it and enjoyed it, I'm glad you got your entertainment worth, but sure. I, I was glad that uh, when the bulls finally stopped winning. Okay. I also grew up a Laker fan, so well, probably had something to do with it. Maybe. All right, Chad. Since you poo pooed all over this one, what's your <laughs> uh, what what's your next one? Uh, the next one I'm going to bring up because I'm I'm just going kind of for random pop culture things now that uh, I know you're probably not going to have a lot of experience with, and this one I I'm going to guess that you probably only tangently know about it. If you are a fan of the Goldbergs, the TV show, not the professional wrestler. I've, I've uh, watched it. Oddly enough, the professional wrestler uh, uh, makes a few cameo appearances. Yeah, but he does not play Goldberg. Nope. It's really awkward. Um, but I'm going back to 1985 when homelessness was a major issue. And I believe that's that, that was the reasoning for this. So we all decided, we all got together as a group of Americans and said, you know, what will end homelessness? 
Oh, I think I know what you're, where you're going with this. If we all stood in a line and held hands, hands across America, if you will. Oh, that's not where I was going. That's not where I thought you were going <laughs> at all. Uh, yeah, this was a one-day event on Sunday, May 25th, 1986, um, where people theoretically would get together and form a human chain from New York City to Santa Monica. And uh, needless to say, I did not participate. Um, I don't, you know, this was pre-internet, so getting information about this was, uh, I, I don't know where you would have gotten the information, but uh, apparently it did come through St. Louis, or came through St. Louis, but also came through Springfield, Illinois, which is close to my hometown. And in Springfield, they had 50 Abraham Lincoln impersonators as huh. part of the chain. Um, and then in St. Louis, Kathleen Turner stood under the arch and held hands with people. Again, didn't know about this being there. Otherwise, maybe I would have been like Barry and Adam Goldberg, who insisted that they go and, and meet Scott Bayo, who was actually in Philadelphia for the Hands Across America. But what I found interesting, too, is when it came through California – in the Santa Monica region, you had George Burns, Dudley Moore, Richard Dreyfus, the king of Touchstone, and Donna Mills from everybody's favorite series, not Saved by the Bell. And then at the conclusion in Long Beach, you had Mickey Mouse, Goofy, Kenny Loggins was there, John Stamos, they probably wrote a song together, Robin Williams, and C-3PO. That's going all out. Uh, looking through this. Yeah, uh, looking through it, it's, it's very interesting because C-3PO, Anthony Daniels, was in Long Beach. In Cincinnati, Chewbacca was there. And in Washington or in Baltimore, R2-D2 was there. So I, I don't know why, but now I'm kind of intrigued to read up on why Star Wars. Because, this, like I said, this is 1986. Return of the Jedi is out. I mean, Star Wars droids cartoon would have been on on TV, but there really was no star Wars unless this was around the same time that Disney was getting ready to launch star tours at their theme parks. But, but anyway, we all held hands across America. We ended homelessness. It was a great day for America and there has been no homeless ever since. Big so win. good job, America. Big bucket of win for everybody who participated. I, I thought briefly that you, you were going to say the, and from 85, I think. Yeah, We Are the World, mm. which, you know, was was nice as well. Um, I, I am sure. Well, that was for Africa. Yeah, I know. As soon as you said for homelessness, I'm like, different, different, uh, different philanthropic project. So I don't know where we're at time wise. Um, Got about seven minutes left oh, on the show. Fantastic. This one's going to be right up your alley. And dare I say, this one's also going to be right up the alley of our friend and podcaster, uh, host of My One Two Three Cents, the podcast, Kevin Huntsberger. And you got to go back to July 7th, 1996, WCW's Bash at the Beach. Hulk Hogan does the unthinkable, turns heel, drops a, a leg on his longtime friend. Randy Savage 
betrays Sting and Lex Luger and everybody and joins the New World Order, brother. I mean, that was, you know, the, the immortal one. Nobody ever anticipated that Hulk Hogan would ever turn heel. Much like, you know, fast forward 20 years from that, maybe 15, nobody would ever expect that John Cena would turn heel. And now that he's not really there, the, we kind of missed the boat on that. Um, but yeah, Hulk Hogan turned heel. That's all I got for that. Unless you saw Playing With Fire, then John Cena turned heel on the entire movie-going audience. Nope, I've never seen Playing With Fire. By subjecting them to watching the movie. Fair He's enough. still a good guy in the film, I believe, yeah. And uh, kudos to John Cena while we're talking about him briefly. He's going to have an upcoming show uh, eventually on HBO Max, his Peacemaker character from uh, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad movie. is getting his own spinoff series on HBO Max. So if you like John Cena or probably rated R or at least rated M for mature uh, comic book properties, then check out The Peacemaker on HBO Max whenever the hell it comes available. Are you looking forward to The Suicide Squad? Uh, I'm looking forward to other movies more, but I'll watch it. It's going to be a lot going on. Um, no, I going with your selection of the formation of the NWO uh, I remember being – I did not watch the pay-per-view live. I remember being online at the time and reading all the news sites and all the speculation of who it was going to be. And No one no one thought Hulk Hogan. Everyone thought Bret Hart would come in. And yeah, it, it was shocking and it probably is the only way the NWO would have worked. I don't think if you would have had anybody else in there, if it would have had the same impact. But, it, it, and, you know, like I said, I was not a Michael Jordan fan. After WrestleMania 1, I was also never a Hulkamaniac. And the only reason I cheered Hogan at WrestleMania 1 is because I hated Roddy Piper because I was a 10-year-old kid who didn't know any better. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, to me, was always a heel. He's conniving. He stole Miss Elizabeth from Macho Man Randy Savage. He had lust in his eyes the entire time. Oh, so, Lord. Yeah. Still real to me, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, let's move on. Oh, by the way, uh, real quickly, uh, for those of you in the know, uh, Hulk Hogan was not the original uh, third man of the NWO. Supposed to be Mabel. Mabel was the third man. All right, Yokozuna. No, he was Yokozuna. Was always going to join the Heart Foundation. Yeah. So, all right, wh wh where are yeah. you at? What, what's your next one, Chad? Well, I am trying to think of what would be a good way to end in this show and you know I really don't have anything so I'm going to go uh, you know this has been I am on this quest uh, to watch every movie from the top 100 top 100 films at the box office from 1980 through 2019 yes I have way too much time on my hands and looking at my spreadsheet and seeing the evolution of film one of the biggest uh I'm going to credit it to the downfall of cinema, although there are many, many reasons, many other things that could go into this. And that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know what? Because you, you say it like it's a bad thing. I give them credit for coming up with a 500 story plot that they infested on us over the last 11 years. Or ten years, uh, but 
it also made every other studio think that every film needs to be part of a cinematic universe. You know, Universal has tried doing their dark universe. Um, I guess Warner Brothers is trying to do a Scooby-Doo universe, which actually not a bad idea. I will take that one. That Scoob movie is uh, fun. Don't sleep on it. No, I now have HBO Max, not a sponsor of the show. They should be, but <laughs> I plan on watching Scoob here pretty soon. But yeah, just, you know, and I don't think the Marvel Cinematic Universe would have been so bad if – in my opinion, every movie wasn't the same. And if maybe it had been like five years instead of 10, or I didn't need three Iron Mans, three Thors. Um, by the way, are you going to go see, uh, oh, what's the joke? It's well, one ticket for Thor for uh, at, at 444. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm stretching for time here, but uh, yeah, the Marvel cinematic universe has been a downfall of cinema. And I actually have Avengers Endgame as an honorable mention because it wrapped up 20-something stories and brought uh, to life, you know, it, a comic book come to life. That That's that's an honorable mention for me, Chad. Yeah, well, we're running out of time here. I would love to sit and discuss more with you, but that's why you have Nerd United because you can discuss the cinematic universes of Marvel over there with your co-host of the year, which, by the way, I – could not get your episode to play on my uh, computer, so I don't know if you answered my question about what competition uh, your co-host of the year faced to win that award, and I would love to know, but unfortunately, we are out of time. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.